there's a string attached, right? And it's like, well, then you owe me, right? Uh, and uh, the first thing I always do is always cut that string, right? And so, I mean, if you want to give it to me, fine. You know, if you don't want to give it to me, it's fine. But if you want to give it to me, then thanks. I appreciate that. Well, don't you owe me? No. Was there a contract? I mean, I, you know, if you said you're going to give it to me, then, then um, uh, I mean, I just assume people want to give it to me. And most people will do that, you know. But on occasion, you get somebody who wants to give things so that they can put you in their debt, you know. And actually, if you go over to, we're not going to go over there. If you go over to Romans chapter 4 and, talk, and, and read about the grace of God and works, uh, that, uh, that Paul was talking about. <clears throat> he said that's what a lot of people do is they try to get God in their debt by doing things, right? Doing things for God so that he's now in their debt. And do you think God's in anybody's debt? Do you think he's going to accept that he owes anybody anything? He will never owe anybody anything, right? And so, um, but, um, <clears throat> and so, it, you know, we'll, we'll only meet one or two people like that that just, you know, will look at us like crossways, like, you know, what, what kind of a church doesn't accept money? Uh, but that's not the day to accept money, right? We can accept money other times, no problem. But that's the day, that's the day that we, we don't accept money. And so, um, uh, because we want to be a blessing to the community. We want to pray for people that need prayer. We want to just fellowship with people that want to find out more about the church. And, um, uh, and mostly we just want to give, right? We want to be a, uh, we always want to be a giving church, amen? Uh, and so that'll be, Sunday, we'll set up probably around 11 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock. We'll just set up a tent and some chairs. Uh, so if you want to bring some folding chairs, you know, that might be fine. You know, some of those, you know, camping chairs kind of stuff or soccer mom chairs, right? We've got a bunch of soccer mom chairs. Uh, and um, uh, so we'll have a good time with that. And there'll be plenty of shade there. And uh, by that time, uh, so that'll be the week before um, Strawberry Festival. So... Uh, that by that point in time, the church should be nearly done. So then we've got to build the church back, right? So we've got to put the sound booth back together, wire everything back up. You know, we've got some TVs, got to wire those up. You just stuff, right? Just stuff. And so uh, you got stuff, you got to do stuff with the stuff, right? So, um, uh, and so, uh, and that's fine. You know, it's just part of the job. And, and, um, but when we all get it done, it'll be nice there. And, um, uh, <clears throat> and we may even do, uh, some folks are talking about maybe doing like a, a open house for the community to let them see the church because it's really cool, kind of cool. And I'm going to try to find out if I can uh, get, gather any historical, uh, uh, any history in that building. And so if anybody knows how to do something like that, I bet we can go to the like the library and look up in the newspaper from back in the 30s. You, we, we can find out when the thing was built. I bet you can go back because... Uh, probably find a newspaper article about Studebaker coming to Dayton, you know, and opening up a showroom. And I think it'd be kind of cool to find something like that from a historical perspective and then show people as they come in how that we restored the building to kind of its former glory there. And, and um, uh, so uh, let me know if you're interested in, in doing any research like that. But um, um, so, uh, and we'll let you know when we get back uh, from being out of town next week if you um, uh, if uh, we may have a night or two or a day or two where we just, if you want to come help bring all the chairs back, right? We've got to bring all the chairs back and set everything up. So we'll let everybody know. And if you have some time, it can help. Uh, I'm sure that'll be uh, a great blessing there, right? So, uh, and probably have to do some cleaning and dusting and um, stuff, right? So we've got stuff, we've got to do stuff, right? So, um, and, uh, and really that'll be, I mean, we'll have touched every part that the church is using in that building now. So we'll have uh, started with the bathrooms, then we did the kitchen and nursery, then we did the outside and, and the, uh, um, <coughs> the driveway. And, um, 
and then we'll do the inside. So, and this is kind of a good, you know, just a really nice way to kind of cap everything off because it's, um, it's really impressive when you walk in because from the outside, it's still, it doesn't look like it'd be that big, right? Uh, and so he walks in, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that it's actually bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, right? So I know it defies physics, but, you know, uh, it just seems bigger on the inside than it does on the outside, right? So uh, uh, just like we are, right? Uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth always said he was a thousand times bigger on the inside than he is on the outside, right? Uh, and, you know, technically that's true, right? We have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. So, um, <clears throat> so, um, all right, and we were picking paint colors today. And so, let's see, do I still have those with me? You want to pass these around? So these are the colors of the paint. Uh, so we'll have uh, black for the uh, back behind the stage and then um, accessible beige for the walls, right? And so everybody can see those if they want them. And um, if you don't like them, it doesn't matter because I didn't get to pick them either. So, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a, but there'll be nice colors for the, for the, because uh, uh, she matched it all up to the, to the wood and to the rock and uh, spent way more time on picking the color than I would have. It'd be like 30 seconds that one right there, you know. And so, um, so I'm glad people uh, have that eye to do things like that. So, um, and then if you want to, after the service, we can go up there and show you they built the stage, built the, the uh, built-in bookcase where we're going to put the book table there. So, um, so all that stuff's done, or at least uh, framed up stuff. So, um, all right, any, anything else? So no service next Wednesday. Um, and um, bring waters for the, uh, for the strawberry festival. And... Um, um, and then we'll go put the church back together, right? So, and no doubt there'll be uh, over the next several months, we'll be tweaking some things. You know, we may have to adjust TVs. We may have to, adjust, you know, just things kind uh, of, kind of like you're moving into a new building because we're kind of moving into a new building, right? So, the children's churches, of course, remain the same in the in the kitchen as well. So, um, all right. Let's see. Seems like there was something else that we need to mention as well, but. Um, um, we'll see if we can get, uh, if we think about that, we'll mention that later on. So, all right. Um, um, oh, I was going to mention to pray for, uh, Miss Doris's dad. So he's not feeling well. I found, uh, they got him on some medication to, uh, for his leg there. So be praying for his, uh, complete and total healing. Right. And so uh, Mr. Zeller needs to, uh, uh, be healed and strong because he's such a strong person on the inside, you know. We want to be a strong person on the outside too, right? Uh, and so, uh, and he's getting better. Yeah, so that's good. Um, well, we miss him, you know. So, um, all right. Well, let's pray, and we'll get into the word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for your word, and Father, we come to your word humbly, uh, knowing that uh, it's your Spirit that gives us revelation, insight of your word. And Father, we thank you for uh, granting us uh, that wisdom, that revelation, that teaching and instruction by your Spirit. And so, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about just the word in general. And, uh, um, of course, you know, uh, part, part of my heart is, as, as a minister of the gospel, is to teach the word, right? That's, I believe that from the, from the direction of the head of the church and the way he set up the church, that the primary mission of the church is to teach and to instruct the people of God in the word of God. Uh, and so, you know, so we really kind of do a deep dive in everything that we do, right? We always go, uh, uh, I mean, we're not looking at, 
all the Greek and the conjugation of verbs and all that stuff. You know, you know, we're not looking at the academic side of things, but from a doctrinal standpoint and how this affects us and why we care, um, you know, we, we go into a, a thorough review of the Word of God. And, and I really believe that's the only way that you can really grow in faith is to understand uh, what, the word of, uh, what the Word of the Lord is. In fact, uh, just real quick, we're in Philippians chapter 2, but if we go back to uh, Matthew chapter uh, 13 and... Um, <clears throat> see what that says there so Matthew 13 is uh, the parable of the soils right and so there are three four types of soil and of course there's uh, three bad ones and one good one but uh, but one of them um, he says here in um, on the very first type of soil in Matthew 13 18 he says here therefore the parable of the sower when one heareth the word of God when one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not uh, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart then he which, uh, this is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. And so one of the most important things you can do is understand what the word of God is. You know, understand why it's written. Why does the Lord say these things? Why is it in there? Um, you know, just, just as an observation, and it's not to criticize anybody in particular, but just as an observation, I noticed that, you know, a lot of Christians uh, really, they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of satisfied at being moral people, right? You know, they don't, they don't, uh, shoot dogs or steal bubba gum or you know uh, those types of things and uh, you know they're just generally they're good people they mow the yard every Thursday you know and, and take out the trash and you know just good people uh, but uh, we're not called to be just good people right we're called to be kings and priests and rulers uh, on this earth to advance the kingdom of heaven and to do that we have to dispel darkness right we have to replace the darkness that's in the world with the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus, right? That's our job. And the only way we can do that is if we understand the value of the name of Jesus, understand the power that's inherent in us as Christians, that we, we, are, uh, we, we are rulers, right, on the earth. We rule uh, the, the kingdom of darkness. We rule over the kingdom of darkness, right? It's not our kingdom, but, but uh, we go and take land and take positions away from the kingdom of darkness and advance the kingdom of heaven in those areas. But you can only do that if you understand, you know, the whole armor of God and understand the authority of the believer and understand the value of speaking in tongues and the, the ministry of the laying on of hands and, you know, all, all the major doctrines of the word of God uh, that we are, we are, we're an army, but, you know, we don't want to be like militant. And, you know, some churches get weird and they start wearing camel fatigues to church, you know, and camp, uh, combat boots and, you know, all that's for show, right? That's all dog and pony stuff and theater and uh, it's of no value to the church, you know, because that just focuses only on the natural. Amen. Uh, and that's that's moving what's really in the spirit realm into the natural realm. And, and that becomes just kind of, I mean, I don't care. You want to wear combo beds to church, you know, whatever. But, um, uh, you know, I won't say anything. I might think a couple things about you, but I won't ever never say anything about it, you know, uh, because that's not our job. Right. Our job is to advance supernaturally the kingdom of heaven. And the only way the church can do that effectively, we can go back to Philippians chapter 2 now, the only way we really can do that is if we understand the word, amen, if we understand, you know, what, what the word says. And, um, of course, uh, I, I clearly don't know everything that there is to know in the word. In fact, my friend, uh, Brother Randall Greer, he keeps trying to get me to write, he said, you need to write a commentary on the, on the Bible. And, and, and just the thoughts of that, you know, it doesn't scare me, but the thoughts of that, you know, I said, well, that, that assumes I know anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it assumes that, first of all, that I have something to say to everybody about everything in the Bible. That, that's, I, I just, you know, 
and maybe my vision's not big enough, but that's uh, the thoughts of, of doing that. You know, what do I have to say, right? Uh, because uh, even when I teach the Word of God, my thoughts are, well, they already know all this, right? You all know all these things I'm teaching, and I'm just kind of reminding you of what you already know. And I know that's not always the case, uh, because just as often as not, when I'm teaching, uh, I get information that I didn't have before, right? The Lord will reveal things to me as I'm teaching, and so, I mean, I, I feel like I'm in the exact same boat as you, right? As, as the words are going forth, I'm learning things, right? And so, uh, uh, and so Brother Randy's going to have to be more in uh, intercessory prayer if, uh, if he's going to get me over that hump there. But, um, uh, and uh, I don't sense in my heart that it's something I need to do right now, but um, you know, my, my heart's always open to whatever the Lord wants me to do. Uh, so, and all of that to be said is we need to understand the Word. Amen? Uh, and you know, the, the Word of God is not hard to understand. It's not difficult to understand. People approach the Word of God like they're terrified and like it's dark and mysterious and it's really not. It's very cohesive. It fits together. The plan of redemption is clear from the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. And I know we don't study a lot on end time events, uh, but, you know, we have a general understanding of how things are going to operate when, when the end of time begins, right, with the, with the rapture of the church. Uh, and um, we don't spend a lot of time teaching about that because if we believe that the Lord is going to come back before the tribulation, if we believe the Lord is going to come back after the tribulation, doesn't really affect anything, right? We need to learn how to live today, right? We need to learn how to be victorious today. We need to not uh, allow our emotions to run our lives or our thought life to run our lives. We want our spirits to run our lives. Uh, and, that, and that's really my call upon my life is to teach and instruct the church in how to live victorious lives and not be subject to the whims of our emotions and the whims of other people, amen? Uh, and so here we are in Philippians chapter 2. And so the, these set of scriptures, we started really in verse 5 and and. At, even as we're going through, I want to go back and reiterate verse 5 as we go through these particular sets of verses because uh, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, first of all, Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he has not already done himself. Amen. In fact, he's, he's not going to ask us to do some things that only he will do. Amen. So, he was the, the substitutionary sacrifice. He's never going to ask us to do that. That job was a one time job, it was completed successfully. No need in me doing that job because, first of all, I'd be unqualified. And, and second, I, I don't know that you would you want to do this job. I wouldn't. Want, even Jesus didn't want to do this job. Right. And so, of course, he did it uh, and he chose to do it. But, uh, you know, it wasn't because he was bored. And, well, what do you think I should do? I think I'll go to the cross. No, there was, you know, it was through great sweats, drops of blood that, that took him to get to that point there where he was willing to do the job. Right. And, and uh, we've talked a lot about that. But let this mind be in you that he was the greatest servant there ever was. Uh, and that's one of the hardest things that the church can really, they, they really struggle with that because, um, uh, and, and one of the great verses in here is verse seven there, which is, but he made himself of no reputation. And that beginning of verse seven and the verse five are in great conflict a lot of times in people's life, right? I want to have the mind of Christ. Well, are you willing to be of no reputation? Oh, well, well, I mean, it depends, right? What areas, right? Well, your whole life, right? Do you care what anybody thinks about you? Well, well, I care about what they think about me. I care what they, you know. Uh, and we talked a lot about that, about how some people will, uh, it's almost like they want people to hate them and want people to, uh, you know, get mad at them. And well, that's not being of no reputation. That's being of reputation. I want the reputation of nobody likes me. Well, that's still being a reputation, right? Uh, you've got to get to the reputation. Where, and, and people say, well, I don't care what people think about me. And that, that's 
that that's not quite true because their attitude says, I don't, I want people to think uh, less of me. I want people to think nothing of me. I want people to think bad thoughts about me. Well, that's still a reputation, right? That's what I desire. What you've got to get to to be like Jesus is it just doesn't matter what people think of you. If they love you, man, that's great. If they hate you, man, that's great. I mean, you, you should be exactly the same whether they love you and sing your praises or, or you know, are, are disappointed that your mother had you in the earth, right? Uh, in, in whatever extreme that people have about you, you should be okay in both ways, right? Uh, and, and I have found that some people, you know, they're kind of, they're, I call them men pleasers, right? They're always trying to shake hands, kiss babies, you know, and get everybody to like them. And, uh, and, and that's not to say there's nothing wrong with, you know, I know plenty of people who are just, they're very outgoing, right? They're very, um, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, extroverted, right? Very extroverted people. And that doesn't mean that they're the men pleasers. Some people are just that way, right? They love people. They love being around people. Uh, and and so, uh, so we're not talking about just people who are just kind and like to be around folks. But, um, uh, but uh, you know, if, if you're going out of your way to, for people to intentionally dislike you, then that's the, that's the reputation that you want, amen? Uh, and see, Jesus wasn't that way at all. Because if he was, he would only have gone to the lowest of the low people, right? He would only go to the, because they said, you're a friend of sinners. And if he was wanting to kind of uh, ag on that reputation, then that's the only people he would have went to. But did he go to only sinners, only poor sinners? No, didn't he go to, to uh, Zacchaeus' house, right? A very wealthy man, right? Didn't he go to um, several Pharisees? Well, you know, all the Pharisees, they're all going to be wealthy people. Uh, a lot of them were. I mean, he even called Matthew, right? He was a very wealthy person as a tax collector. Uh, and so, so who did Jesus go to? Everybody, right? But see, uh, he didn't care what, that the rich people thought he was wrong for going to the poor people. He didn't care that the self-righteous people uh, cared that he went to the sinners. But he didn't care that the sinners didn't like him going to the uppity-uppity people, right? He didn't care that the poor people didn't like that he was rubbing elbows with the, the fancy people and going to these fancy dinners and you know, I mean, he went to these fancy dinners and, uh, you know, they were waiting on him. And, um, you know, he could he could move in, in those circles just as well as he could move in any other circles. And that's when you can get to that point. See, then, you know, you have no reputation. Uh, remember, Peter, when, um, uh, of course, Peter had the revelation in, in Acts chapter 10. Uh, you remember the Lord came to him in a vision. Right. And in fact, let's just turn back there. We'll just uh, since. Uh, we didn't we didn't cover it in this particular way, but I think it'd be helpful. Right. So in this particular uh, vision here, this is Peter in Acts chapter 10. Uh, it says that. Uh, in verse nine, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nine to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour and he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending upon him or unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, uh, to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So now in the vision, these are all unclean animals, right? From a, from a Jewish law perspective, these are all unclean animals. There was laws in the Old Testament, do not eat these animals because they're unclean. Uh, and so now we're in the New Testament, right? Jesus has come. Uh, and and uh, kind of wiped away all the, the, the need for those types of laws. Uh, and uh, but here we are. What chapter are we on in the book of Acts? Chapter 10, right? Uh, when was the day of Pentecost? What chapter was that? Uh, 
chapter 2, right? So the book of Acts is about one year per chapter. Not exactly, but it's pretty pretty close uh, uh, estimate there. So this is about eight years after the day of Pentecost, right? Uh, and so here we are, eight years that the church has been going on. There's tens of thousands of people in the church. And yet uh, Peter said, not so, Lord, if I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again, saying, uh, second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And did it three times. Uh, and then uh, later on, the spirit spoke to him and said, um, in verse 20, arise, therefore, get thee down and go with them. Uh, in verse 19, it says, three men seek thee. In verse 20 says, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So these are Gentiles, right? This is Cornelius' group that left his house, which they're all Gentiles. They're coming to find Peter. And before they get to Peter, the Lord gives him a vision of, hey, there, there are, nobody's unclean anymore, right? Nobody is to be separated from the nation of Israel or the kingdom of God. Uh, everybody is worthy to accept Jesus now because of the work of the cross. Well, that was new information to Peter. Here we eight years after the day of Pentecost. It's still new information to the church that Gentiles can be saved, even though other Gentiles have been saved, right? They've been in Samaria, and Jesus said, you'll go into Jerusalem and uh, Judea and Samaria, and where? Under the uttermost parts of the earth. But even when he said that, the Jews are thinking, okay, we're going to go into all the earth and find the Jews. They didn't really think we're going to go to all the earth and find everybody. They think, they thought uh, we're going to go only to the Jews all around the world. Uh, and, and they were fine with that. They stuck with that, you know, all the way through uh, chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, right? All, with all the persecution from Paul. And here they are finally at uh, chapter 10 here. And Peter's just now getting the, the, uh, the memo, right? But that was the memo all along. Uh, it was always the plan of the Lord to do that. Uh, and, you know, why did it take him? It was really, it was really Paul... Of course, uh, we're in chapter 10. Paul was, was uh, converted in chapter 9. It was really Paul that got the, the vision that, um, that the Lord was here for the whole church, right? Not just to, um, not just to, um, uh, not just to Jews, right? Uh, and so uh, if you go over to Galatians chapter 2 then, so now uh, Peter gets the revelation. He goes to Cornelius' house to a Gentile. They get saved, they get baptized in water, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he comes back to Jerusalem in chapter 11, they all fuss at him. And he said, hey, I had this vision, I went there, they got the Holy Spirit, spoken other tongues, just like we did. I mean, you know, you know, you can say you're saved, but when you speak in other tongues, you can only do that if you're saved, right? So you have an outward testimony that you're sure enough saved. Uh, and so Peter got the memo, and he had to tell the rest of the, Jew the Jews, hey, we need to start going to the world, not just to the Jewish people, right? So he, he figured it out. But then you fast forward many years later. We're here in Galatians chapter 2. Uh, that was in Jerusalem. It says in verse 11, but when Peter was come to Antioch. So Antioch was, you know, you had Jerusalem church and you had the Antioch church. So they were both very large churches. Uh, and Antioch was really Paul's kind of, uh, of a home base where he kept going in and out of Antioch. He would visit Jerusalem too, but he was kind of more out of Antioch than anywhere. And so Peter's coming down to visit him long after the vision, long after he spoke to Cornelius' house, long after uh, Paul had been doing all of his work here. Uh, and he says, uh, but when Peter was come to Antioch in verse 11, I was stood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, 
he did eat with Gentiles. Well, why was he eating with Gentiles? Because the Lord gave him a vision that there's nobody unclean, right? So the Lord said, hey, the Gentiles have just as much right to the word of God as the rest of the Jewish nation, right? And that's the vision that the Lord gave to him. And, and the Lord said, uh, what I have cleansed callest thou, thou not unclean. So he had a supernatural experience with the Lord that uh, other people outside the Jewish nation were, were worthy to, be, uh, to receive the gospel. Uh, so, but when they came, uh, in verse 12, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Uh, and so Paul said, I withstood him to, to his face. So, uh, and then he said uh, in verse 13, and other Jews dissembled likewise with him. So not only did Peter backslide uh, because maybe it was some important Jews that came up from Jerusalem to visit Antioch, and he's like, oh, well, they're here, so I better not seem messing with the Gentiles. So apparently the Jews, the Jews in Jerusalem hadn't got the full memo yet. You know, they're like, well, that's just Peter's little side journey, but, you know, we're really going to stick with Jews only. Uh, and then he caused other people in verse 13. So this is always an issue when you get leadership, is leadership, uh, whether they do right or do wrong, People are going to follow them. And so here, Peter's doing wrong. He's, he's separating himself from the Gentiles because these other Jews came in. And so other Jews that were already there in Antioch are saying, oh, well, if, Peter, if Peter's not going to be with these Gentiles, I shouldn't either, right? Now, uh, we all get to make our own choices, especially in the New Testament. It's never an excuse, well, they're doing it, right? Because you, don't you have the Holy Ghost in you? If you've got the Holy Ghost in you, it's never an excuse that I'm only doing what I'm told, right? And so that's one thing. One problem in the New Testament is a lot of people like to, even in the church and sometimes in church leadership is, well, I'm in leadership, so I'm going to just tell you, do what you're told and shut up and do it. But that doesn't apply in the New Testament. You know, and number one reason why? You got the, well, you got the Holy Ghost in you, right? The Holy Ghost in you would tell you whether what I'm telling you to do is right or not, right? And so, um, so these Jews should have listened to the Holy Ghost in them going, well, we shouldn't do that, right? I mean, Peter's, you know, even if Peter's doing it, even though he's in leadership, and he's the great apostle Peter with Jesus all those years. We, we can't do that. You know, that's, uh, that wouldn't be right. Uh, and even if you suffered persecution for that, I have many times in my life suffered persecution because what somebody in leadership was doing, I could not do. And I chose not to do it. Now, I didn't I didn't make a big fuss about it. I didn't uh, rise up a coup. I didn't confront them publicly and rebuke them. Not my job. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, in this case. Paul was an apostle, Peter was an apostle, and, you know, Peter was to him to his face. Uh, and he said, uh, insomuch that Barnabas, uh, Barnabas was Paul's buddy, right? Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. But even Barnabas also was carried away with this, their dissimulation, right, the, or their hypocrisy. So, I mean, he got the great, and he's called the great teacher, right? The great, uh, 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 Barnabas called the great teacher, right? Uh, and he was called other things, too, in a good way, um, uh, and so, but even Barnabas backslid here into hypocrisy, right? Uh, and so, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. So the truth of the gospel is all men are worthy to receive the, the good news of the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, and see, this is where I, sometimes I have a hard time because a lot of times I hear people in church, we need to focus on, on the poor. Well, what about that rich guy over there? Is he not worthy to receive the Lord Jesus, right? Or we need to focus only on the youth. What about the old, old person over there, right? Not that we're going to call anybody old, but, you know, what about that person over there that's elderly? Are they not worthy to receive the gospel? 
I think churches do a disservice to humanity when we when we pick and choose. Well, we're only going to I mean, I know in, in our group here we're uh, you know, on average, we're older than, you know, uh, teenagers. But it's not because we focus on only on that age group. You know, this is what we have today. Uh, but we're not. Well, I'm forsaking the youth. You know, I'm only going to yeah, I'll preach to anybody. You if you got a, a pulse, then you're qualified to be preached to. Right. Uh, and, and so. So he said uh, that they were not walking up really according to the truth of the gospel. Uh, so we should never, uh, you know, and I don't have a problem with having, you know, men's groups and youth groups. And, you know, um, you know, because sometimes people of certain age groups or certain demographics have uh, like, you know, we're all going to go on a, on a 15 mile hike. But that's probably not going to be, you know, the retired group. Right. I mean, you know, maybe you've got some people that can do that. But, you know, more than likely they're going to want to do, you know bingo or something i don't know you know i'm i'm not trying to put anybody in a box right we're not putting anybody in a box we're just saying you know their interest may not be to go on a 15 mile hike you know what i'm saying so uh so you know if you got common interest you know then do that some people like outdoorsy some people like oh it smells like like nature you know Ooh. and so some people don't even like the outdoors uh and so uh maybe we have indoor things right and so uh but again we're not trying to put anybody in a box we're just saying that uh, there's nothing wrong with 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 having areas that we uh that we uh, emphasize for certain groups of people but a, as a ministry as a church we can't say well we're only looking at these groups and in fact i remember one minister years ago uh he was mad because somebody of kind of middle age some minister of a middle age wouldn't wouldn't support them and he said fine i'm just gonna forsake all i'm just gonna go to the youth i'm gonna forsake all the older people and just do the youth do the upcoming generation and it really broke my heart because i'm sitting there in the meeting as one of the people he just said he's going to forsake. And I'm thinking, well, well what about us? I hadn't done nothing wrong. You done anything wrong? You hadn't done nothing wrong, right? So what if I said, hey, from now on, we're going to focus on the youth. Well, that's great. But what about all the people that are not youth in the church? What, was something wrong with them? You know, and, and, and so, you know, and so a lot of times churches will, well, we're going to play, you know, headbanging, long hair music, you know, so the youth will like that. You know, it's been my observation. I was youth. You know, we were all youth once, right? But I, when I was a youth, and I know I was different, uh, you know, I'll grant you that. But I just wanted to worship God. You know, did Jesus do something like have rock and roll and, and tattoos to win the loss over here? And, you know, maybe some body piercings and then go over here and put on a three-piece suit to talk to the... No, Jesus was Jesus everywhere he went, right? And when you give out the Spirit of God... The spirit and people will react to the spirit of God. Doesn't matter how old they are, how young they are. The spirit of God will always minister to the spirit of people, uh, and people will be blessed. Amen. Now, if you if you're of an attitude that I want to be ministered to in the flesh, then it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are. You will never be happy in this church because we don't minister to the flesh. We minister to the spirit. Amen. Uh, and the spirit then will minister to your own to your own flesh as necessary. But um, we're not going to accentuate the flesh. I mean, that's just a, uh, that's just a, a road to the, to the wrong direction, right? Uh, and so, so he said, uh, you're not up, walking uprightly from the truth of the gospel. I said unto Peter before them all. Well, now, Peter's a, a leader, and he's leading people astray. It's appropriate in this, se- in this setting to, to rebuke Peter openly. Is it, always pub- is it always appropriate to rebuke everybody in public when they do something wrong? It's not always appropriate. In fact, I believe the Lord is merciful and he will always try to restore people in private if he can, right? Now, if you try to restore people in private and they just continually, openly uh, defy the Lord in a church, sometimes you have to publicly rebuke them, right? Uh, and I remember one pastor had a, had a song leader and um, 
uh, they, the song leader sang some song. And the pastor said, hey, I don't, I, don't want that, I don't want you to sing that song anymore. Well, is that the pastor's uh, uh, authority to do that? Is he okay to doing that? I mean, who's the pastor? Who's the highest authority of the church? Well, the pastor is, right? So the song leader's there to help. Uh, he's literally in a ministry of helps. Well, who is he helping? He's helping the vision of the pastor that's assigned to that church by the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so if the, if the pastor asks the song leader to not sing a song, then it's appropriate for the song leader to burn the song and never play it again, right? I mean, it's, it's, is it a moral question? Not a moral question, right? And, but he didn't like the song, was full of doubt and unbelief. Well, they had a... Um, uh, they had some special meeting or something, and the song leader got up. You know what song he sang? That very that song. Now that's just garden variety rebellion right there, right? Well, you know, sometimes people will do that because they think, well, he won't stop me publicly because that will be, you know, you know how awkward that would be in the middle of service, right? But the pastor got up and said, uh, "Stop! Stop! Stop! I told you not to sing the song, and I don't want that song sung." Well, of course, you know, the song leader got mad, got offended and left the church. Uh, and and um, but I had I would have no problem doing that. Right. I mean, if you kindly in private ask somebody to do something and they flagrantly and on purpose in public play a song, you know, that you that you know that you don't want. And maybe it was his favorite song. Maybe it was his niece's favorite song. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Right. Uh, and so so he so Paul came to Peter and said before them all. If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? So he's saying, look, you were living as a Gentile before. So why are you now wanting the Gentiles to live like you were living as a Jew before you did that? That doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, and so, so he goes on and publicly rebukes Peter, right? And now later on, Peter and Paul got along just fine, right? But uh, I, I imagine they weren't super close buddies, just because, you know, Paul was really, Paul had the revelation, right? He had the revelation of the church. The majority of the doctrine that we teach in a church comes from Paul's revelation. Because when Paul got, when Paul got, uh, um, when he got converted, he got converted a hundred way. He was a hundred percent. He wasn't looking for, well, how do I keep things the way they are? And, you know, but still add a little bit of the good stuff from the Jesus. But, you know, I kind of like the way we were doing things before, kind of segregated, you know, we like a little world here and, us four no more, but, you know, this new stuff is, is okay, right, in its place, but we don't want too much radical stuff. Paul's like, look, all that, gone. We got a new gospel, we got a new sheriff in town, his name is Jesus, new name, right, new everything, it's all new. I like new, right, I kind of like new too, right, uh, and so, um, uh, so, uh, but what was, what was Peter's issue? Peter's issue was he had a reputation. Peter's issue was it was more important what these Jews, who are not apostles, right? They're not the Lord Jesus. They're not uh, as mature as Paul. But he was concerned with these Jews. Maybe they're money Jews. Maybe, they, you know, I don't know. It doesn't matter. You know, position Jews, whatever it was. Whoever these guys were affected. I mean, Peter was with Jesus. And he's concerned what these guys are thinking. You know, this, that, see, that mentality is hard for me to wrap around my, you know. I know you've got to be careful about, well, I would never do that. You know, you don't want to get to that attitude, really. But you just think about Peter was, was with Jesus all of his time. And, and then uh, and, and said, gee, I will die for you, Jesus. Didn't he say that? Right. Of course, you know, Jesus, well, you're going to forsake me. I'll never forsake you, Jesus. I just said you're going to do it. And did he do it? Of course, he did it. Right. Uh, so so Peter's failing here was 
because he did not have this mind in him that Christ had. Right? Jesus had no reputation. Jesus could have gone just as well with just Jews, just as well as he could have. Now, see, Jesus was only focused on the nation of Israel because of his ministry, but uh, Jesus goes anywhere now. Right? He'll appear to, to Gentiles, to Jews. He'll appear to you know, Muslims. He'll appear to anybody he wants to. Anybody that's seeking God, that even know who God is, he'll appear to them if he wants to, and, and none of my business, right? I'm glad for him to do it. So, so Peter failed, and not only failed, but, but brought other people along in his failure. Uh, and if you don't think your actions cause other people to, to think twice? They do, right? Are you an influence in the positive direction? Or are you an influence in the negative direction? Anybody that has a reputation will always be a, a negative influence in other people. Well, you don't want people to think you're one of those tongue talkers, do you? Well, yeah, I mean, I really don't care whether you think I'm a tongue talker or not. I mean, I am a tongue talker, right? Well, doesn't that bother you? No, I mean, I've been shunned by all kinds of people, right? Because, oh, you're one of those. And I'm thinking, and you're not? You should be because I love my life, you know. Uh, you're sick all the time, broke all the time, unhappy all the time, mad all the time. Why would I want to be like that, right? Uh, and so I'm happy all the time, healthy all the time, prosperous all the time. I love my little world, right? Uh, and so, uh, so having a reputation is a real issue, right? You think it's still an issue today in the church? It's still, you know, sometimes a ministry will get a reputation, right? They will try to, well, we're the, we're the respectable tr- group over here, right? But then I, I have seen it just as often. You go to, into a wild, you know, uh, uh, charismatic and they're wild people, right? And that's the reputation they want to foment, right? That's the reputation they want to be known for. Oh, we're the wild church. You know, I really don't care what our reputation is. I want to do what the Lord tells us to do. Uh, and people may, they may try to put a reputation upon us, but I'm in no box. If the Lord wants us to run around the church, I'll run around the church. If the Lord wants me to sit here behind the pulpit and preach for an hour, I'll sit here behind the pulpit and preach for an hour. Yeah, I mean, it's, Nothing to me, right? Uh, I'm not trying to be wild. I'm not trying to be stodgy and old-fashioned. I'm not trying to be cool and hip. Uh, I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, old-fashioned. Well, we got to do things old-fashioned way, right? You know, uh, and, and so I just want to do whatever I see in the Word of God. And, and to me, the Word of God is fresh and new every day, right? And people say, say things like, uh, you know, the church needs to be relevant. What I hear is the church needs to have a reputation of not being too too dogmatic about doctrine uh, and so what is it it's a reputation when you say things like that, that aren't biblical because being relevant is not a biblical term right it's a it's a, a psychological term right it's a, it's a societal term uh, i think jesus is pretty relevant don't you raise the dead i think that's pretty relevant right uh, heal the sick uh, cleanse the leper pretty relevant right uh, and so uh, deliver us from ca- from devils that's pretty relevant right being nice and polite and kind, I mean, that's, those are, can be fruits of the Spirit or they can just be put on, you know, of societal uh, norms. Um, you know, that, that's not my goal, amen? My goal is to find out what the Word of God says. So let's go back then to, to Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> so let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? And so he made himself of no reputation. So can you do that, right? And really, if you can do that and do it in the way that the Lord tells you to, you won't be this wacko person, right? You won't be this person who's just trying to be extreme just for the sake of being extreme, right? You won't be screaming at the street corner about how y'all going to go to hell and all these things. You know, that's just, that's just trying to have a reputation, right? Of, of, oh yeah, we're hardliners, right? 
you know, you can just as well say Jesus loves you. Uh, anybody sick in your group? Can I pray for you? Uh, uh, what, what do you need? Uh, yeah. you, uh, you got devil's bothering you. Let me cast him out of your life. You know, that, that would just help people just as much as, as condemning them to hell, right? Uh, and so let this mind be in you, which is all, who, but made himself no reputation. Uh, we talked about verse 8, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient, right? So was he a victim? He be, who chose to become obedient? He did, right? So victims are never victims by choice, right? So Jesus was not a victim. He went to the cross and became obedient to death. So before that, he was disobedient to death. We should all be rebellious against death all the days of our life, right? Until it's time to, until it's time to go home. And then we're like, okay, death, you can take this body away. I'm going to go home with the Lord. But between that and then, uh, complete and total rebellion is perfectly allowed when it comes to death, right? Uh, and we have a right to do that. Remember, Jesus said that he was given this commandment to lay down his body and take it up by his father uh, well we have that same commandment that we can lay down our body when it's time when he said uh, with long life i'll satisfy you so when you're satisfied who who decides when you're satisfied or not well you do right does god decide oh no you're satisfied well what i didn't think i was no i said you were uh, you, ever, you ever gone to like an ice cream shop you know you're getting vanilla well i didn't want vanilla. Uh, I, I said you want vanilla so you're getting vanilla but i don't want vanilla you know i like moose tracks you know i like moose tracks you know moose tracks are good stuff right uh and so uh, I like moose tracks, right? Well, you're, you know, you like, you like vanilla today. Wow, well, I didn't know I liked vanilla today. I thought I'd still like moose tracks, right? Now, who, who decides when you're satisfied? Well, you do, right? Uh, and not the devil, not your sickness and disease, not your, not your hereditary whatever, not your DNA, not your mother, your father, your children, or your, you know, well, your second cousin twice removed. It's you. Uh, and Brother Hagen always said, if you hear that I'm gone, you'll know that I'm satisfied. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, sometimes I do wonder about Brother Hagen, whether uh, I know for Brother Hagen, you know, when you're at that level, uh, I know like in 1987, he talked about how he had fought more devils in the, in the last year than he had in his whole ministry. You know, there's a lot of attacks that, you know, the, the I mean, how many people in the world know that word of truth exists? Not a whole lot. Right. Uh, even though I think we have a great message here and good word of faith and those types of things. But still, as a whole, you know, the, the majority of the people in the world don't know that we exist. Well, the majority of people in the church, uh, at least in our circles, knew that Brother Hagen existed, right? And um, I know even when I, when I first got saved, the, the group that I was with, they didn't much like Brother Hagen. And I never have understood why, because he's not really radical, right? I mean, if you read his, read his material, it's not radical at all. It's just, here's faith. Do this. God loves you. He will always do good to you. I mean, in some circles, that's radical. It's not radical, but, you know, some circles. And, and people just didn't like him. They didn't like him because he's just like, well, what's the word say? Well, you know, uh, I want to do, um, uh, you know, one of the things uh, uh, that's really common in the church, right? You ever, you ever seen this? I'm sure you have. Uh, any, any unspoken prayer requests? You ever seen that? Completely unbiblical. Waste of time, right? Because if you have an unspoken prayer request, then what you're asking for me to do is to agree with your prayer request, right? Agree with whatever your unspoken prayer request is. Well, what if you want your neighbor's wife? I can't agree with that on you. I, and so there can be no agreement unless I know what the agreement is, right? Well, just sign here. I'm not signing there. Well, just, it'll be okay. Just sign there. You, you, no, no, none of us would do that, right? So, you know, Brother Hagin would, would a lot of times kick over what I call golden calves in the church, and people don't like that. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with unspoken prayer requests. Well, sure there is. You got any Bible for unspoken prayer requests? I got plenty of Bible for, you know, two of you agree on touching anything. Then it should be done for them of the Father in heaven. 
you know, we got those verses, but we don't have verses of unspoken prayer requests, right? So, um, so there'd be a lot of, you know, he, he did deal with it because he did it really as this uh, office of the prophet of trying to get the church lined back up with the word of God. A lot of things like that creep into the church and generally it's the prophet's ministry to kind of weed the church, right? Get rid of those, some of those weeds and people just didn't like him for that. And, and so, uh, so I wonder if, you know, uh, of course he made it through 1987, but um, you know, that, that was only, uh, what, uh, 16 years later that uh, he passed away in 2003. You know, I wonder if, if just uh, slogging through all the doubt and unbelief in the church, you know, because uh, sometimes people at that level wonder if they're doing any good. Now, I believe he was doing good, but, uh, you know, that, of course, that was 1987 that he felt that way. Well, 12 years later in 1999, he gathered together about a dozen or more name brand ministers, right? All the big wheels in the, in the body of Christ to Tulsa to talk to him about, about finances in the church. And um, they did as much talking as he did. He brought them to Tulsa to talk to them about getting the, the finances so that because he said we're out of balance, right? Where, you know, people were standing up saying, well, I'm the priest of this ministry, so you give offerings to me. Uh, and so all the offerings in this church belong to me. Well, first of all, that's not legally true because if we're set up as a nonprofit organization, by the legal definition of that, it can't be all about me, right? I mean, you know, you can just say, well, we're not a nonprofit and we can't give out any tax records when that's fine, right? Make that public and make it known that I'm taking all the money and, and you don't get anything, any benefits out of it. I mean, if, if you're going to be do that, then be upfront about it, right? Uh, but you can't really do that, especially if you're a 501c3. You know, we're not, but you don't need to be as a church, but, you know, a lot of ministries are. And uh, you're legally obligated. You have what's called a fiduciary uh, obligation that all the money has to be managed appropriately and as in a nonprofit uh, setup, right? I mean, that's another whole discussion. But, um, but he was trying to bring correction back to the church, order back to the church in the area of finances about how we'd gotten way out. You know, he, he used the word a lot of times, uh, living ostentatious lifestyles where we're just being flashy, right? Well, you have to have the biggest house, have to have the biggest car, have to have the biggest airplane. And, and nothing wrong with the biggest house, car, or airplane, nothing. but if you're doing that just to be seen, that's ostentatious, right? That's, that's having a reputation. I want to be seen as being this super rich person, and, you know, I got a reputation uphold, and, you know, that's being ostentatious. And he said it was out of order. It's, you know, that's not what the Lord wants us to do. That's not pleasing to the Lord. Uh, and, and most of them didn't listen to him. Most of them just... Went back, oh, yeah, we agree 100%, Brother Hagin. And then, uh, I mean, the second he died, I heard one of them on TV. Uh, I saw him, and, and he said, he never, he didn't call it Brother Hagin's name, but he said, this doctrine is wrong. Uh, with the general, the general understanding, it's not set in stone, really, but uh, the general understanding is that the tithes of the church belong to the local church. And as we give offerings, we give offerings wherever we want to. Uh, and that makes sense from a big picture standpoint. Uh, and one minister got up and just was fussing about that. That ain't so. Give it to whoever you want to. Um, and so, so you know, I just I, I wonder if Brother Hagen, if the if the fight just hadn't hadn't gotten them weary of that. I don't know, uh, you know, uh, but uh, we'll find out when we get to heaven, right? I'm not mad at Brother Hagen, just a little bit mad at it because he he left early. But uh, um, and so uh, so we're in Philippians chapter two. So. Um, Jesus became obedient unto the cross, right? So he was by choice. Nobody made him do it. And then he said in verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. So uh, it's completely and totally wrong to be exalted. Is that true? 
Can't be true because who exalted Jesus here? God did, right? And anytime you see the word God, usually, it's not, it's not always, but usually in the context of things, it's talking about God the Father, right? So anytime you hear God, because a lot of times they'll say Lord Jesus. And if you look at uh, overall in the Bible, generally what you'll see is, is, is all of the design of everything is in the heart of God the Father. And then Jesus, as the administrator of things, he decides how that's going to happen. You know, okay, here's the goal. Here's how we're going to get to that goal. And then the, the power of the Holy Spirit is the one who actually energizes those things to, to take place, right? That's not a, uh, you know, set in stone again for that. But in generally, uh, when you see things, you know, uh, depending on those roles, then that's what you'll see even in the Old Testament, right? So like when God came down and visited Abraham in, in Genesis 18 about uh, related to Sodom and Gomorrah, that was probably the Lord Jesus. You said the Lord, but it's probably the Lord Jesus, right? Um, are you going to be mad at me, you know, if, well, I think it was somebody else. Fine, you know, I'm, I, you know I don't have any, uh, thus saith the Lord about it, but uh, it seems like that's a pretty reasonable uh, uh, separation of powers there, right? Uh, and so, so, so God the Father hath highly exalted Jesus, amen? Uh, and so, you know, it's one of the things that, uh, uh, and we've got to talk a little bit about humility here, uh, but one of the things, so let's turn over to Matthew 23, you know, uh, and, you know, to be honest, this is an area uh, that I do struggle with a lot. Not, not so much struggle with, but I'm aware of it in my life. Um, because I never want to be the person. Uh, in fact, Jesus talks about that person. I don't want to be this person. In, in, Genesis, in Matthew 23, he says in verse 12, uh, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So, uh, so the issue is not that somebody is exalted, right? The issue is that somebody has exalted themselves. Look at me, look at me. I'm so special, right? So what are you doing? You're exalting themselves, right? But what if the Lord uh, suddenly uh, makes this church visible to the entire world? Uh, and, you know, we're, I mean, we're on Facebook, right? But what if the entire Facebook found this church and thought, man, you guys got the best thing going right there and, and uh, we're all going to come to your church. You know, all 2 billion Facebook people decide to come to church tomorrow. You know, we may have to expand, right? Uh, and so, um, uh, but would that be okay? Would that be okay because that's the Lord doing it, right? But if we're out, you know, saying, hey, come to our church, we'll give you an AK-47 or whatever. I mean, you know, there, there's a balance that I know, but, um, but you can exalt yourself, right? Uh, so, uh, and I think it's easier to understand that from a standpoint if, like in the ministry, if, if everything in the ministry is only about me, even though it's, it's, you know, all of us here in this church and ministry, but if everything in here was about me, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to give me, right? What offering are you going to give me, right? Don't forget my birthday. Don't forget my, my dog's birthday, right? Don't forget my cat's birthday. Don't forget, you know, you need to give, if everything was about me, see, then I'm exalting myself, right? Uh, and and so, so the balance in there is who's doing the exalting, right? Because Jesus said, uh, whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted, and one of my favorite stories, and I know I've said this, uh, told this story many times, but to me, it, it helps a lot. There's two stories, one from the Old Testament and one from uh, Brother Hagin. But uh, you remember the story in the Old Testament when, when uh, Moses led the nation of Israel out. So, so who was in charge of all the nation of Israel? Moses, right? He was in charge, right? A couple million people. He's in charge. He's the man, right? Did he exalt himself into that position? No, in fact, he didn't want that position. I don't want to do that, Lord. I want to go stay here and deal with sheep. You know, he was basically a nobody, right? I mean, literally nobody. He, him and Jethro and his wife, 
That's all, those are the only people knew about Moses. I mean, even Aaron didn't visit him for 40 years, right? He did right before he went back to Egypt, but, but for 40 years, even, he didn't, no family, right? No family, Miriam didn't visit him, Aaron didn't visit him, nobody visited him, right? Just him and, and Jethro, his father-in-law, uh, and his wife. Uh, and so, uh, but then he suddenly becomes the head of the nation of Israel. And remember Korah and, and his uh, group of clowns said, you take too much upon yourself. In other words, saying, you exalted yourself. Moses never exalted himself. Now, see, he was exalted because he's leading all of Israel, but he never exalted himself, right? Uh, and then you remember uh, later on when they, the nation of Israel sinned and the Lord made a deal with, with Moses. What was the deal? He said, I'll, just, I'll wipe them all out and I'll make a great nation from who? From you. He said, he said I'll make a great nation from you, Moses. Uh, and, and could the Lord have done that? He could have, because he said he could have, right? He told, he told Abraham that he'd make him the father of many nations, and he did. And so he could have just as well wiped out everybody except for Moses and his kids and made a great, another great family out of, out of Moses. So all the trouble that, uh, in fact, uh, I think I've made some notes for Sunday. I went through all, went through all the, uh, the four books of the, of the law there, starting Exodus to, to Deuteronomy, and looked at all the times that the nation of Israel attacked Moses specifically. It was 11 different times. Uh, and, and it was all the same time. You know, you brought us out here to die. So, uh, and, you know, that would hurt my feelings if every time I did something, you all had the idea that I'm just doing it just to hurt you. I'm just doing it for my benefit. I don't care about you at all. You know, that, after a while, that kind of hurt my feelings, right? And after a while, the Lord said, hey, if you'll let me, I'll get rid of all of them and get, them all, get all new ones for you. You know, I'd have to go, hmm. Well, Lord, can I give you a list of who to start with first? How about that one over there? If, you can, if, you, if you'll do that one first, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll make that deal, right? I mean, it'd have been hard not to make that deal. Because you know, from you, I'll make a great nation. I'll get rid of all these people that are accusing you and lying on you and, 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 and saying you're doing a terrible job and you're no count and you do this all on your own. It's all about you. And I'll get rid of them all. Man, what would you have done? Right, what would you have done? What did Moses do? I ain't doing that, Lord. What's wrong with you? He said, uh, now, uh, Abraham shall, said, shall not the judge of the earth do right? But Moses basically said the same thing, right? He said, the people in Egypt would say, you just brought them out here to die. We're not doing that, Lord. Uh, and, he, and, and the Lord, and the Bible says the Lord repented of that, right? He, he, based on the words of Moses, he's, okay, then I'll do what you say, Moses. What would you have done, Right? See, see, that's the difference between somebody who exalts himself and somebody who's exalted by the Lord. Because Moses, in my opinion, Moses was the greatest Old Testament prophet. He was greater than Elijah. He was greater than Elisha. He was greater than, than you know, Nathan. You know, I mean, he was, he was greater than that prophet they didn't name, right? The one, the one guy there. Um, uh, and so, and what would you do? Somebody that's exalted of the Lord, you know, would make the right choice. Amen. Uh, and then uh, Brother Hagin tells a story of, uh, um, oh, forget that story. You, you remember the story where, uh, anybody remember the lady with the feathers that came out of her sleeves? Anybody remember that? So she would raise her hands up and feathers would come out. Say, look, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, in, 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 uh, when Jesus was, was baptized in the River Jordan, it says the, the, the Holy Spirit came and descended upon them like a dove. He wasn't a dove. He wasn't a bird. He wasn't actually a bird, right? He, he was like a dove. In other words, it was gentle and, and, 
you know, landed upon him gently, right? That's what it meant. It didn't mean that with feathers, right? Uh, and so, but because we're all gullible, oh, feathers, got to be the Holy Spirit, right? Like he's a chicken. Is he, is he like a big chicken? In, I mean, the, 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 the holy chicken? I mean, he's not, but we're, aren't we foolish? Oh, it's the power of God. Look, she raises her hands, feathers come out, you know? <laughs> and just, you know, she could do this and just feathers, you know, it's like, did your pillow die or something in the middle of the night? I mean, what, how'd that happen, right? Well, it turns out, you know, she, man, she got on the circuit. All the wheels had her in their churches, right? And who didn't have them in their church? Brother Hagin never had, him, never had her in his church, right? Because uh, he, you know, he had a church there at Ramah. Uh, and, um, and I don't know if he had the church. I think it was well, even when he had the church there. But, uh, and so, and even Brother Randy, uh, I believe it was that one that uh, called Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin, what do you think about this? He's not of God. Well, I didn't think so, but, you know, uh, it's good to know. But all these other people are saying it's good, right? Not of God. And so finally, it was uh, 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 Willie George. You know, he had a big TV ministry, and so he had all this equipment. So he took high-speed camera and, took, and filmed her. And when you slow it down, you see her taking feathers out of her, you know, sleeves there and throwing them up. Look at me, you know, woo. And, and, and so what was it? Complete fraud, right? Uh, and, but see... All, everybody wanted the reputation of, oh, we want, to be the, we want to be the church that has these supernatural signs come in, right? Uh, and um, anybody remember the, the, uh, uh, the Tractor Supply Bible, right? Uh, that was before your time. Did you ever heard of, hear about that Bible that uh, came out of Georgia? But it was uh, oil started coming out of the Bible. Uh, and so they put it in a Tupperware. You'd think it could find something more holy than Tupperware, you know? I mean, but I mean, Tupperware is pretty good, I guess, so... So they put this Bible in his Tupperware, and it, and it kept producing oil. And, and so they would, they would take little vials of oil, and, and this, they would say, this, this vial will never run out of oil. And they, they came to Dayton, right? Remember when they came to Dayton? And some people from the church came to my church during the week. and said, this vial will never run out of oil. Now, you know, I'm really a plight, but I really want to say, well, let's go pour it out right now. You know, that's really what I want to say, because I'm thinking, it ain't going to fill up with oil. I can guarantee you, this will not fill up with oil. Because down in my spirit, like, this is so, so hokey. I mean, it's such, so against God. Because who's getting the glory? This Tupperware Bible, right? It's not, God's not getting the glory. It's, it's tractor supply Bible, right? Now, I know it sounds funny, but they're like, oh, this is God. I mean, it, it was so dramatic, oh, you know? And, and oh, we, oh, we want to pray, we want to pray for you with this supernatural oil, right? Like, whatever, you know? And, and so, um, turns out, it was literally oil came from tractor supply, right? Somebody saw them going and tracking, buying five-gallon buckets. What are you doing with that oil? Nothing. <laughs> it's like, well, aren't you the guy that's on TV with the oil, with the oil Bible? Uh, no, that wasn't me. That was that guy, right? Uh, and it, what did it all do? It all collapsed, right? Uh, and who was getting the glory? The Bible. So, the, so first of all, if you want to know who exalted who, see who's getting the glory. See, if I'm getting the glory, I exalted myself. Look at me. I'm so wonderful, right? Uh, and so, uh, so there was a story then with, with Brother Hagin uh, that he said one time when he was preaching, he said suddenly oil supernaturally started coming into the palms of his hand. Just oil, just supernatural oil, right? Not like tractor supply oil, like the Bible there, but just oil, right? Uh, and um, so, uh, you know what he did? He said he put his hand in his pocket. You know who he told? No one. Didn't tell anybody. Anybody remember the, the, the gold 
the, the gold hair lady. So the gold hair lady, she could shake her hair and gold dust would come out uh, and, and land on the, on the Bible there because God has gold dandruff, I guess. I don't know, you know, but, uh, and, and so, uh, so she got on the circuit, right? Oh, the power of God, you know. I think that's I think that's dandruff. I don't think that's really gold. What about that? You know, I mean, that'd be kind of creepy, right? And, and uh, was it real? Complete fraud. They found out that she'd faked it. You know, somehow I don't know how she got it in there, but she put gold dust in her hair. You know, and maybe she had a big bun or something. Because if you're Church of God, you could hide up you know whole tub of uh, dust up there, right? You could put gold dust and a couple gallons of oil too, right? I mean, the whole thing, you have it all, right? And probably some chicken feathers. And so, uh, but uh, so she was found out to be a fraud. Well, who was getting the glory for the gold dust? Well, she was. But you know what? She got on all the circuits. Oh, we got the gold hair lady coming you know, on Tuesday, right? Uh, well, who's getting the glory? See, anybody that's getting the glory? I, I, it just down here, it's, to me, it's totally distasteful. It just, it just, I don't like being around stuff like that, you know? Now, if someone has really the, got the power of God and people are being blessed and, it, you know, no problem. You know, God is getting the glory. That's great, you know? Uh, and... And you have to be careful because if you're, if you're not careful, you will constrain the power of God from moving, right? And so, now, Brother Hagin didn't constrain the power of God. You know, he just put his hand in his pocket because he didn't have any unction what to do with it. If the Lord said, now take this supernatural oil and you lay hands on people and they'll, you know, be raised from the dead or something, fine, right? But the Lord didn't give him any instruction. And sometimes the Lord will do that. Just don't see what you do. Uh, uh, and and um, I'm going let to this, let this be a sign to you of your calling but I, I want to see what you're going to do with that, right? And so Brother Hagin put it in his pocket, never told anybody for years, years. So the question, what would you do? If that happened to you right now, right? I mean, we're just a couple minutes after 8 o'clock, right? Right now, if your hand started getting uh, damp with supernatural oil, would you, hey, look at me, look at my hands? I'm the hand ministry, right? We'd start the hand ministry, the oil ministry, the hand oil ministry. I mean, we'd, we'd come up with some cool name, right? Get some logos, couple books maybe some t-shirts with a logo on it you know we'd do it all right get some banners hand uh ministry of hand oil right uh, and, and change the name of the church right hand oil church uh and we do it all right i mean we wouldn't do it all but 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 what would you do right? what would you do would you exalt yourself or would you let would you let the lord exalt you right uh, and so that's the key right that's who exalted jesus god did right so first of all anything wrong with being exalted all these TV evangelists, they should all die and burn, you know. Well, did I exalt them? I mean, you, you can argue whether they exalted himself or not, but I mean, uh, you know, like Brother Hagin probably helped more, probably ruined more Baptists than, than any other minister in the history of humanity, right? Uh, in a good way, right? Got people into faith, got people into believing God. Uh, and, uh, you know, people talk about, you know, you know Joel Osteen. You know, or Joel Osteen was... was I mean, if you know anything about him, he, was, he, he did not want to do that job. And his dad, John Osteen, who was a great minister of God. I mean, if you ever listen to John Osteen, you'll love his ministry. What was Joel doing before, before his dad died? His sound man. His cameraman, actually, right? He ran the camera. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to run the camera. He wasn't politicking, trying to get the job. He wasn't, you know, uh, trying to, you know... Uh, you know, cut line in somebody, and yeah, I, I want to be your successor, Dad. I want to, I want to be right up there, Dad. And he's like, man, I want to run the camp. I want nobody to see me. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be heard of. And now he's, he's got one of the largest, if not the largest church in America, right? So did he exalt himself? 
he was, un, he was an unwilling participant, right? And sometimes those are the best people to do because even, even at this big, you know, I, I got nothing wrong. I like his heart. I, I love the attitude that he has about the Lord. He loves the Lord. Uh, and oh, I don't like that doctrine. Well, you know, you think I like everything you believe? I mean, you know, so, um, uh, so the, the key is it's not the fact that people are exalted. The issue is who did the exalting? And we can always tell, right? We can always tell who does the exalting. We can tell if it's all about me. It's all about me, right? Uh, if, if every little thing comes out long, you know, uh, and I got no problem with telling testimonies, you know, we got testimonies around here we tell about people getting healed and that's good and encourages people, right? Uh, uh, and so, but you, but you got to find the balance there. Uh, and, and the nice thing is we all have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will always check us. He'll, if we ever step out of line, he'd be like, you know, I'm the only one worthy to be glorified, right? Yes, sir, you're right. You're right, you know. So, uh, and, and, you know, for us as a ministry, what would we do if tomorrow we had 500 people in this church? Will we start walking around the, the community like this right here? I don't think we would, but would we, right? What would you do? What would I do? If all of a sudden we had 200 people in a church, even 100 people, right? What would, what would we do? Would we stay the course and just keep on? I mean, we'd have to make changes clearly here and there, right? And do different things, but uh, and get to do certain things that we can't do today. But what, what would we do? What would our heart do, right? Could you handle that? Uh, and, and I tell the Lord, Lord, you know, I don't ever want to say, well, don't let us grow, Lord, because I don't want to. I don't want that temptation. I always tell the Lord, help me to to stay in my lane. If I stay in my lane, because He said, if you humble yourself, He will exalt you in due season, right? So. So here, here's the thing, and, and, we'll, and we'll go. Even when you get exalted, you still stay humble, right? You can still be humble and be exalted, right? Paul was still humble, even though he said, I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love, I love, he just, that's what I am. You know, you don't like it? Well, you shouldn't call yourself an apostle. I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus, called of God. What do you call that, right? Uh, and so Paul never, you know, he never, never shirked from, from telling, telling people who he was, right? Uh, and yet, uh, I imagine Paul was a very humble man because some people didn't like Paul. They thought he, he was kind of weak, you know, weak-minded. And, and uh, even some people think that Paul's writings are very basic. You know, they're very immature. It's, clearly, he wasn't a great author. Like, what is wrong with you, right? I'm thinking he, the greatest revelation of any minister at all, period, except for the Lord Jesus. And you're concerned because he didn't use uh, long enough sentences for you? Like, whatever, Janet, you know, and so uh, it's uh, people are just uh, people are funny, right, about stuff like that. So uh, so I want to talk a little bit more when we come back about God exalting Jesus, because it, there's a lot of things that the word of God says about being exalted. So not just the Lord Jesus, but us as individuals. So uh, we always want to prepare our hearts that, Lord, if you ever exalt me and do something, I've got to be the same person before, during and after. Uh, uh, and then that way, that puts it all on the Lord, right? But, um, uh, and, and I don't believe that the Lord will withhold something from you for fear of something you might do. You know, some people say, well, God wouldn't exalt me because he knew I can handle it. Right. But really, the Lord doesn't really judge you for, for things undone, right? Uh, uh, and so uh, he exalts as he chooses to exalt, right? Uh, and the will of God is always the will of God. So, so we'll talk a little bit more about that because I think, as, as individuals and as a church, we always have to be conscious of 
making sure that when, when the Lord exalts it, because I really believe that he desires to. I believe that, you know, the, the teachings that we have in this ministry could help anybody. I mean, I, I believe I could help any individual, young, old, and in between, whatever sin they're involved in, I believe we could help anybody with the word that the Lord teaches us in the ministry here. Um, and so be not, it'd be, uh, uh, you get more people, you can teach more people, right? And so anything wrong with the church growing? Nothing wrong with the church growing, right? And so, and you all are fine, but you know, you know churches who don't want the church to grow. We just want our group right here, nobody to come in, right? Somebody new comes in and what are you doing? Uh, and so, uh, in fact, you've been to church and I've been to church. The very first church I went to when I was 12 and, and we'll go, uh, I've been wanting to go to church all my life, right? Never went to church, but wanted to go to church all my life. Finally get to go. I mean, it's a miracle, right? Because this white van pulls up, door slides open and these strangers say, hey, can we take your kids to vacation Bible school? They could have been taking us anywhere, right? And, and I mean, it's a miracle. My mom said, yeah, sure. She didn't even know these people. <laughs> you know, nowadays, you'd never do that, right? But I mean, like, they just took us away in this van, you know, and uh, <laughs> we got back, though, which is amazing, uh, and um, uh, took us to vacation Bible school, and not a single person asked me if I wanted to get saved. Not a single person asked me my name. Not a single person told me how to get born again or about Jesus. I have no, I mean, it was the most boring thing. They just preached at us, right? I mean, most vacation Bible schools, you know, you're doing tricks or, you know, playing or whatever. You do a little bit of the Bible stuff, but, you know, you do some fun stuff too. This was just, I sat in the second row of a pew and it got preached at for an hour and then we went home. And I thought, wow. And so I just assumed when I was 12 that I, I guess I'm never going back to church. This is, every church must be exactly like this. And I thought they were all exactly the same. And so I thought, well, I've been to church once. I guess I'll never go back because it was terrible. It was boring, and, and um, unfortunately, the Lord had other plans. And so, uh, anyway, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for blessing us, being good to us. Father, we thank you that, uh, that you highly exalted the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, Father, it's never an issue about being exalted. The issue is who does the exalting. So, Father, we will always stay the course. And if you choose at any given time to exalt us in whatever capacity, Father, you choose, then we'll still remain humble before, during, and after. And Father, if you choose to never exalt us, we'll still be glad to serve you as you see fit. And so, Father, we thank you for that, and we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And, um, and I'm trying to remind our uh, online uh, visitors there, if you want to participate in the offering, because I think it's always good if you can and want to, to participate uh, you can, uh, there's a link to our website. If you go to our website, there's a button that says give. Click the button and, and it'll give you the rest of the instructions to what to do there. Uh, and so, um, uh, so Jared, come ahead and receive the offering. And um, we don't have any updates on any more schedules for like the roof. They came and did all the measuring and they're probably a week or two out. So uh, they'll come and do all that. And... Um, as soon as I find out when they start that, I'll let you guys know about the roof as well there. And so, um, so anything else? So we'll be here, of course, on Sunday morning in healing school, and then we won't have church on next Wednesday night, and then we'll be back the Sunday after that. So, all right, we'll be blessed. We'll see you all on Sunday.